0: Side Hustle Show 275, the tactical triangle. This is how to double your business in 30 days by tweaking three little levers. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because 20% of your actions generate 80%. Of your results. The trick, of course, is figuring out that 20%. And to help me do that, I've got Mr. 8020 himself, Perry Marshall, in the house today. Perry is the author of one of my favorite business books, 8020 Sales and Marketing, which you can find on Amazon, but you can also get for a penny plus shipping at perrymarshall.com. And Doing it that way is going to enter you into Planet Perry, as he calls it, and will give you a front row seat to some of the best copywriting and email marketing out there. Now, in 80-20 sales and marketing, Perry presents the tactical triangle, which is made up of traffic, conversions, and economics, with an 80-20 inside each of those. Basically, how do people come to know about your business? How do you convert them into customers? And what do you sell them? It's a beautifully simple way to look at your business and optimizing any one of those levers is going to leave you with a dramatically improved bottom line. And that's what we're diving into today. So stick around to hear Perry's star principle, how to run an 80-20 survey to discover what you can offer and why you might consider adding a power guarantee to your business. Notes and links for this one, plus a free downloadable PDF highlight reel summary with all of Perry's top tips from this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash Perry. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Perry after the interview. Ready? Let's do it.
1: Most people start by defining the traffic problem the wrong way. So most people, they say, well, how can I get a sales lead for $25 instead of $50? Or how can I get a click for $2 instead of $10 or, or, or something like that? Usually... People are trying to save money on traffic. And the, and the real question that you want to ask with traffic is, how much would it cost to get all of the good traffic in this market? And how much does the expensive traffic cost? If we look at the customers and we say, what is the most desirable 20% of customers who spend 80% of the money, how much money does it cost to get them? Now, the reason that most people never really win the traffic game is they're not framing it this way. The real game is being the person who is most able to spend money on traffic. That's the person who's going to dominate the game. And you want to be that person. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be the dominant player, to be the number one. It is way, way easier to be number one than to be number three or four or five and fight over the scraps and eat bologna sandwiches and ramen soup. (laughs) You want to be number one.
0: Easier or just better, more valuable?
1: Well, once you get there, it's actually easier to, and see, most people don't know this. They think being king of the mountain is like a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. Well... You may have to hustle and you may have to stay ahead, but it's easier. It's way easier to be the incumbent than to be the challenger. And your job is to be the incumbent by default. And there's ways to do that, but it's not the way most people think. If you're not number one in the market, don't try to claw your way from number 10 to number nine to number eight. That's miserable. You carve off a slice of the market where nobody's really claimed number one, and you create a category there, and you become the king of the category. So it's like, don't be Coke, be 7-Up. And this is called star principle. Star principle says that 95% of the profit in markets is made by companies who are number one in a growing market or number one in a market that's steady. Okay. If you're in a market that's shrinking, you need to get out. And if you're not number one, you need to pivot over to another part of the market where you can be number one. And there's millions and millions of unclaimed parts of markets where there's a need and there's a problem and there's people willing to spend money, but there's no clear winner. There's no clear solution. And somebody just needs to step in there and make that solution. And that's what we call a star business. And what I just told you, this will make most people go, hey, wait a minute. You know, maybe I shouldn't even be in this business. That's right. This is true on Amazon. It's true on eBay. It's true on Google. It's true on Facebook. It's true of the Mexican restaurant in the southwest corner of your city. You want to be number one in a growing market. You don't want to be anything else. And that's where all the money is.
0: Okay, so instead of saying, like, if I'm a freelancer, say, instead of saying, like, I'm a, I'm a freelance copywriter for hire, saying, hey, I'm a freelance copywriter for Amazon FBA product listing description. There's like, you know, trying to carve off a piece in the market where you can be number one.
1: Yes, where you're the only one. Now, if you're a Mexican restaurant, then being the only Mexican restaurant in Salina, Kansas is enough. If you're on the internet, You have to be the only copywriter who does blank, blank, blank. Here's an example. For several years, I was the only direct marketing consultant in the industrial automation industry for companies that sell factory equipment. I was literally the only one. And I earned a nice living in... Basically, in the land of the blind, the man with one eye gets to be king. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, if you had at that time, if you had put me up against other professional copywriters and I was going to write some sales promotion for a diet thing or a financial newsletter or an information product on marketing or sales, I would have got slaughtered. But it didn't matter because I wasn't doing that. I was selling industrial equipment. Where all of the emails are boring, all of the newsletters are boring, all the magazines are boring, and nobody even understands direct response, or at least they didn't when I was doing it, and so I was the only one. Yeah, and so I could use a modicum of skill, and and like, and then I got a reputation. And then you know more people find out about me, and I had a steady trickle of clients, and I was always paying my bills, and it was great.
0: What would you say to the person who's taking inventory of their skills or looking at their blog or something and saying like, well, what can I be the only in? Because sometimes you hear the advice like, look, if you're the only person out there, maybe there's no demand for that. Like that's a risky place to be.
1: Well, okay, so there's certainly a danger that you're diving into a swimming pool with no water in it. Like, there, you know, there's a trillion niches that don't even exist. Right. But you can always find unmet needs. You can always find skill sets that you know are useful, but nobody in that particular industry or that corner of town or that particular subset, right? So you're talking about Amazon copywriters. So maybe it's a certain kind of product description for a certain kind of Amazon product. Maybe there's two dozen other copywriters that also do Amazon descriptions, but you say, well, I'm going to be the genius of Amazon descriptions for water filters or for automotive parts. And you can always define some part of the market where there's nobody else doing that, but you can prove, hey, hey, you auto parts guys, you guys are selling $50 million of auto parts a year on Amazon. Do you realize that 65% of your listings are far from optimum and they're using the wrong keywords or using the wrong description, or the wrong this or that. I fix that. I have a very scientific process of fixing that. And I will prove to you, we can do a trial run. I can take a little sampling of your listings and in 90 days we can get them from X to Y. And after I do that with that little slice, we can apply it to everything. But I know more about this and I know more about your industry. Of course, Once you do that, then you go deeper and deeper. Then you have more and more and more tribal knowledge. And pretty soon, you've forgotten more than most people know. And you can speak with total authority and confidence. And you can look at somebody's thing. And in five minutes, you can tell, oh, yeah, I actually can't help you. You have this other problem. You need to go talk to that guy. And your credibility just built. But, man, if you're duking it out with 16 other people, forget it.
0: Yeah. And that unique selling proposition that, you know, where where can you be the only, where can you be number one in a growing market? That doesn't necessarily solve your traffic problem, but at least it makes it easier to target who you want to talk to.
1: That's right. And you can know that there's traffic. If you know that they're selling $50 million of auto parts or these, all these different companies, and you know that there's traffic, it's just, you have to find a way to get their attention where nobody's really gotten their attention on that thing before. Now, if I could take a little digression here, I cut my teeth as an entrepreneur in Amway, in MLM. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. And it was kind of this long, dreary chapter of my life that I'd rather not repeat, <laughs> okay? Because I never really was very successful. But the most fundamental problem of why I wasn't successful was I was just another Amway distributor, there was a million other people like me out there trying to recruit people, telling everybody the same story. I didn't have a unique selling proposition, and I was not a star business. I was not number one in a growing market. In fact, the whole idea of MLM was kind of antithetical to that because it's all about duplication. Yeah. The reason I'm, I'm saying that is because there's lots and lots and lots of people, maybe, I don't know if it's 15% or 30%, but you know, there's some pretty big chunk of people out there where they're like me. They cut their teeth in network marketing, but they taught you to be a clone. And that mentality will kill you in online marketing. You have to be unique and you have to be number one.
0: If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time Right. Srini Rao has a book called Unmistakable, where I think the subtitle is different is better than best. And it's like, you know, you can find a find a different point of differentiation there. But let's say I've got, and we can use a personal example. Like, so over the last nine or 10 years, I've probably written 1,000, 1,300, you know, blog posts. I just did the math on this. 130 of them, 10% were responsible for 80% of the traffic, Yep, 20 to 23% of Those posts like one percent, one and a half percent drive 50% of the traffic. Yep. And so, like, a very clear 80 20 curve, probably even more extreme than 80 20. I mean, is there a way to figure that out without writing the thousand posts? Like, you got to have to kind of do the legwork to figure out what resonated
1: in a way. That's a super great question. So, 80 20, whatever you do, it's going to end up being 80 20. Like, <laughs> there's almost no way to write a thousand or even 100 blog posts without the traffic pattern being 80-20. I guarantee it's going to happen. Right. The difference is is whether you're conscious of it or unconscious of it. With articles, 20% of the choices that you can make in writing those articles influence 80% of whether they're going to get read or not. And mostly it is uniqueness. It's star principle. So you're writing an article. And so you apply star principle. I want my blog post to be number one in a market that's growing 10% or more. So what sub sub topic could this blog post be the number one blog post about this topic, which requires usually that you greatly narrow the topic of your blog post and you don't just dispense all this general helpful advice you chisel it down right so whatever your topic is that's what you need to do too go straight for number 1 it's not really worth bothering so you can you can figure out in advance that a lot of things you don't have any chance of being number 1 so you just don't do them for the stuff that
0: you've already created, you just ignore that long tail? Like that 80% of posts that are driving 20% of the, like, it feels like, oh, oh, with a couple tweaks, maybe they could jump up or just say, Hey, you know, that's a lost cause. Forget it.
1: Most of the time you just leave them behind. <laughs> just the other day, we did a promotion of something. It sold terribly, but the content, it was by a special guest. The content was fabulous. Maybe in earlier days, my perfectionist tendencies would have gotten the better of me. And I would go, oh my goodness, that. So like after we sold it and the guy delivered, it was fantastic. And maybe at a different time in my life when I knew less than I know now, I would go back and I would try to fix it. I'd say, I'd repackage it and I'd rewrite the sales letter and i go, hey, you guys, you guys really, really should, we did this amazing thing two weeks ago. You just absolutely have to buy it. And the problem with it was, even though the guy taught a whole bunch of fabulous principles and everything like that, the general topic just wasn't something that my audience was resonating with. And there's no chance of fixing that to make it a grand slam. I'm going to go for the grand slam. I think a lot of people, they just do stuff because A, they feel like they ought to be busy and B, well, if I do this, this will move the needle a little bit. So I'll just do it. Okay. And they don't want to be lazy. 80-20 says there are significant parts of your career where you deliberately choose to be lazy. And then you put your full, full effort into the tiny hinges that swing huge doors.
0: Yeah. And and even if that means looking at your analytics, looking at where you're Current and past clients have come from, and saying, "Well, okay, that's the traffic source that I need to to double down on, rather than chasing this this other thing that that may or may not work."
1: Right? Traffic source is a great example of that. We could all spend sixteen hours a day doing Pinterest and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Google Display Network and Google Search Network and LinkedIn, and it could just go on and on and on and on. Yeah. But the fact is, is Probably more like 10% of the traffic sources are going to give you 90% of the traffic. And you just laser in and you hone down. If LinkedIn works really amazing for you, then you will get more juice out of getting better at LinkedIn than you will adding all these other things that somebody's trying to guilt you into doing. And there's really only one problem with that. And it's just putting your eggs all in one basket. Yeah. (laughs) But but actually, this goes back to the tactical triangle. Okay. So part of the tactical triangle, if you go into the advanced version, is what's called the unlimited traffic technique. The unlimited traffic technique says that if your conversion rate of eyeballs to dollars is better than anybody else in your niche then you can buy all the traffic in your niche, not just a little bit of it. Sure. Let's say LinkedIn is your super magic thing. So you go out there and you get LinkedIn traffic and you do the 93 steps necessary to engage people on LinkedIn and whatever your landing pages are and your sales funnel and your webinars and whatever it is you sell. The whole idea is once you have that traffic, the game you're really in is getting the sales funnel right. And usually once a sales funnel is right and it's the best in the market, you can go hook up YouTube or you can go and maybe you have to make some minor modifications on the front end or that very first segment. But generally the rest of it's all going to be fine. So if you use that one traffic source that maybe it's fragile and maybe you're afraid it's going to go away and you're afraid they're going to change the rules or kick you out or whatever okay yeah so you got a limited amount of time perfect your sales funnel on that one thing it's all about perfecting the sales funnel and then if linkedin shuts you down you can afford like well the LinkedIn leads cost $14 and they cost $28 on Facebook, but I can I can afford $28 leads on Facebook. That's actually acceptable. So LinkedIn shut me down. I'll go over to Facebook. I'll bite my tongue a little bit. I'll grip my teeth, but it's okay. And I can also buy them for $25 on YouTube and I can buy them for $30 on Google AdWords and I'm actually fine. And this is how a business becomes no longer vulnerable to the whims of some account manager at LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, some algorithm update, something that, you know, just knocks you off your feet. I mean, get, get like you said, get while well, the getting's good, but use that time to perfect the sales funnel and, and then diversify a little bit into some other traffic
1: channels. That's exactly right.
0: Hey, let's move on to the conversion element of the tactical triangle. I'm curious, what are your big 80-20 levers inside the, the conversion piece?
1: One of the big ones is what I call the 8020 survey and I want to say it's maybe chapter 21 of the 8020 sales and marketing book it's a chapter called how to do $10,000 of research in a single afternoon so I'll just give you a really big nugget okay if you put up a survey form and it's got three questions the first one is what caused you to go looking for x today okay or what is the biggest question that you have about X right now? So maybe it's how to play golf or something, right? The second one is how hard has it been for you to solve this problem? And you got radio buttons, not very hard, sort of hard, very hard. That's the second question. Third question, what would it mean to you if you could solve this problem personally? So you got three questions, okay? so. You can take these questions, put them on a really simple survey for Survey Monkey or whatever you please, and you drive traffic to it. Maybe it's your email list, maybe it's Facebook traffic, maybe it's Google traffic, but you're soliciting this information. So you get a bunch of answers and you dump them into a spreadsheet. So here's what you do the first thing that you do is you keep the this was very hard to solve. And you throw away the not very hard and sort of hard. The people that say it's not terribly hard to solve this problem, they're never going to buy anything from you. They are not the buyers and you don't even care what they think.
0: (laughs) So you're only keeping the very hard people.
1: Yes. The people that said, I am trying to solve this problem and I cannot find a solution to the problem. Okay. Now there's a simple little command in Excel that tells you the length of number of characters in a field and you use that and you sort from the longest answers down to the shortest answers and you only keep the long ones you throw away the short ones so all the people that wrote a little one sentence answer they don't count the ones you care about are they wrote you a little encyclopedia inside that little text box you know like oh my goodness like
0: yeah they're telling you their their life story in there okay
1: right? This is very hard to solve. And I'm just telling you my life story just because you gave me a chance to, and I don't even know if anybody's going to read this. Okay, Those are your buyers. Now, this will actually tell you where a star market might be. Because if somebody's saying, I don't want Coke and I don't want Dr. Pepper and I want another kind of soft drink. I want a soft drink that tastes like seven up, but doesn't have any calories. And I've never, ever, ever found one. And you got hundreds of people telling you this. Well, guess what? If you can come up with a soft drink that's as sweet as 7-Up and it doesn't have any calories, you will be number one in a growing market overnight because they just told you they're trying to scratch this itch and they can't find anybody to scratch it. And you know there's traffic because you proved it because you sent some traffic and the people typed you a little life story in the little text box.
0: Yeah, so now you're creating a product or service specifically to
1: help those people. Right. And the answer to the question, well, what would it mean to you if you could solve this problem? Now they're all writing the copy for you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know, I drink eight cans of seven up a day and I'm 86 pounds overweight and I don't exercise enough. And well, okay, so this is this is why somebody wants to buy your sugar-free, sweetest 7-Up new beverage that you just invented. Sure. And so they actually write the copy for you, and now you know exactly what to say to people, and you can even use their words and phrases and everything. You have now entered the conversation inside the customer's head. Right. What caused you to go looking for X today?
0: What's the biggest question you have about that? You can kind of use that to use their language there to speak to the pain points. And then what would it mean to you personally, if you could solve this problem? OK, here's the benefits of what we can deliver.
1: Yes. And again, there's a chapter in my 80-20 book that it it explains uh, detailed how to do it. In fact, there's online bonuses that even go a little bit deeper where they show you how to score the spreadsheets and everything. And this ends up being a very accurate market research tool that you can use in any market to make sure you never dive into a swimming pool that doesn't have water in it. Because yeah. that really hurts, man. When you, <laughs> you go into a market, you had all these expectations and you're telling your wife, man, this is really going to be it. And then you put it out there and it's crickets. <sighs> That's a bad feeling, man.
0: Are you are you collecting emails along with the emails or phone numbers along with the survey results so you can specifically reach out to the people that left you encyclopedia answers?
1: You don't have to, but I certainly recommend it. What we often do is I'll often put one of those surveys after an opt-in and just use it forever. Oh, okay. Okay. So I got an opt-in on my website and then just the very next one is, Hey, would you mind answering a one minute survey for me? Yes. No, thanks. Whatever. You know, if they want to skip it, that's fine. The ones who want to write you a little book, they won't skip it. See, you have this ongoing market research. You could even use it to detect that the traffic is changing or that your market is changing or what people were saying last year isn't what they're saying this year.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Okay. So you put together your product based on what people are telling you, like based on exactly what the market is asking for. Uh, tell me about your power guarantee.
1: Oh, yes. So I had this friend named Tom Hubiar and Tom started a biotech company in Silicon Valley and they made pharmaceutical valves that went in the bottom of tanks that made bioactive medicines, which meant The medicine actually got injected into somebody's blood in a hospital somewhere. So, these people are insanely conservative. Yeah, for good reason. (laughs) When bacteria and you've got a lawsuit, okay, so, I mean, just had to be squeaky clean. So, he goes into this industry selling these $4,000 valves and nobody in an industry like that ever wants to change just for the sake of change. So Tom put together this killer guarantee and he said, all right, so we're selling these valves and you know you could buy a different valve from somebody else, but if you buy my valve and if it's ever not sterile, if there's ever any impurity in the valve, if it delivered late, if we ship you the wrong part, if there's anything wrong with this thing, we will pay for you to buy the competitive valve and we will pay a union welder to cut our valve out of your tank and install the competitor's valve in your tank.
0: Yeah, that's like the penalty to you for like not performing.
1: Yes, so the penalty to Tom for not performing on his $4,000 valve was $40,000. Yeah, it's like, this is how confident we are in it. Yes. Okay. Now, Tom classified the fulfillment of the guarantee as a marketing expense, and he did have to make good on it. He typically had to replace about four a year, which would cost him $160,000. Okay, yikes. But this did several things, and this is really good, okay? So first of all, in business-to-business marketing, guarantees are exceedingly rare. I've been doing a lot of B2B marketing for 20 years, you almost never see a guarantee. Now, here's the truth about B2B marketing. The truth is, is somebody's always taking the risk. Somebody's always risking whether that valve is going to work or not, right? Yeah. Well, it's usually the customer. So Tom said, no, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be over-responsible. So he took away all the risk. Now, in order for him to do this and not lose his shirt and go bankrupt, He had to make sure they always ship the right valve every single time. They always ship it on time and they always meet the deadlines, which means they always have the right steel and the right components and the right everything, and it's all sterile. And he had to have quality control systems and make sure all of that always worked, which meant that he needed more systems in his business. But the fact that he took that on himself and made it all squeaky clean and made sure it all worked meant that the customer never risks that something's going to go wrong. Now, this is a slow-moving industry, but in 15 years, he got to 90% market share in pharmaceutical valves. That's a lot of market share, man. He became number one. (laughs) And his competitors were 10 or 100 times bigger than he was. Wow. He was a small, like 15, 20% company, but that's a power guarantee. And my challenge to the listeners is, if you won't guarantee it, why not? What this usually brings you to is, well, I could guarantee it if they would do this and if they would do that. And there's all this stuff on the customer side that I don't have control over. Okay. So you define very precisely when the customer has done his part. And you say, if you do your part, which is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, all these things, if you do all of these things on this checklist and you do them correctly, I will absolutely guarantee you this result. Yeah. And suddenly all of the risk of the entire transaction is transparent. And when you take the effort to do that and your competitors don't, you cream your competition.
0: I like it. Let's go on to the uh, economics part, kind of like the pricing element or the value exchange element of the tactical triangle. On the surface, to me, this sounds like just adding Higher ticket items. I know there's there's probably more to it than that. One example that comes to mind, you know, this is kind of the under the principle, hey, 20% of the customers are going to spend 80% of the money. We had a former guest, Colin, from blackjackapprenticeship.com. He teaches people how to count cards for a living. He's got at the very low end, he's got like a three-dollar card counting app. He sells a three dollars I think price subject to change, of course, membership, have the whole access to the video training and the whole community and all this stuff. And then at the high end, he does like these live weekend retreats, which are like several thousand dollars. Hey, come hang out with me and a bunch of other players and we'll do this stuff like one-on-one. Is that the gist of the economics side of things or what else, what else is going on? You know, somebody is saying, okay, how can I 80 20 the pricing or the economic side?
1: Yeah. So 80 20 says, that 20% of the customers are willing to and want to spend four times the money. And 20% of those customers want to spend four times the money. And 20% of those want to spend four times the money. So if he had $100,000 take his $3 app, and that's $300,000, you can be pretty much certain that 10 people would spend $10,000 on a week-long, super intense live training in Vegas where they play poker and they party and they do all this other stuff and they get special hotel suites and and all that. You can just about guarantee that a chunk of... So going from literally from the $3 sale all the way up to the $10,000 sale, it's all based on power laws. So how much money people are willing to pay for stuff... Is actually in powers of 10. It's like, well, it's kind of like one tenth of people spend 10 times the money. One tenth those people spend 10 times the money. That's kind of how it works. And it's it's incredibly powerful. And it's probably the easiest way for a really small business to increase their profits by 30% overnight.
0: Now, you doing, I mean, you must be doing this on perrymarshall.com. Like, okay, I'm going to sell you the Facebook ads. Book and then oh by the way if you want to go deeper here's the course at a more significant price point like what's at the high high end
1: well you know last year we had a gal she bought Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords for nine ninety five including shipping and she ended up joining Roundtable for twenty four thousand dollars a year which is one of the higher end things that I sell and so a small percentage of people will do that so you'll actually see if you buy the eighty twenty book online go to perrymarshall.com slash eighty You'll see us do this. It's like, okay, you spend $7 including shipping and you get a book that costs 18 bucks on Amazon. So great. You, you saved 11 bucks, Yeah. but then we offer you other things. And you know, what's interesting. 21.6% of the people that go through that funnel buy something else and 78.4% don't. So in other words, really close to 20% of the people will take the upsell. Yeah. And we're doing this very deliberately. We're taping dollar bills to those books, knowing <laughs> that 20% of the people we send them to are a lot closer to our target customer and we get customers that way.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the bottom line. If you don't have a high end offer, if you don't have something, no matter what you're selling, there's always room to go up. Yes. And something I've been kind of wrestling with in my business or my businesses trying to figure out okay what's the the small medium and large offering that people could engage with because yeah like you said I'm missing those percentage of people who who want to spend more or could use more hand holding whatever it is this is cool Perry appreciate you taking the time perrymarshall.com check him out grab the book for a penny plus shipping what's on the horizon for you what's what you got coming up
1: Next thing coming up is I've got a seminar in Chicago on the outskirts in a forest preserve called the Rosetta Stone Seminar. And what we are doing is, you know, I've been teaching online marketing for 16 years and a lot of really advanced stuff in addition to, you know, the blocking and tackling of Google ads and stuff like that. And what I've never done is offer a grand strategy of how it all fits together and like really compress and condense it down. I've, I've never done that. I've just done all these different things. And so this is a really radical seminar. It's literally a zero to a billion dollar seminar. You could take the model that we're giving you at the seminar, and it could get a business absolutely from zero to profitable. But everything we're teaching could apply to a $10 million business, a $100 million business or bigger. But look, I've trained people that are now billionaires. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and they did it largely by mastering marketing. And so I have a perspective on this now. And so that's what I'm going to do. So if you go to perrymarshall.com slash Rosetta, R-O-S-E-T-T-A, you can find out about that. That's May 8 to 10. And there are going to be a lot of cool people at this event. So thanks for asking.
0: You bet. Very cool. We'll Go uh, we'll go check it out, uh, perrymarshall.com slash Rosetta, if you're free this spring or in the Chicago area this spring. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation.
1: My number one tip is good marketing cannot fix bad economics. And the first place to go, if your Amazon listing, your eBay thing, your Google ads, your Facebook ads, if the economics aren't working out and you've banged your head against the advertising all kinds of ways and you probably doing the advertising right and it's still not paying off, you need to fix your business model so that it can pay for the traffic, which means you probably need some kind of kind of like your gambling buddy, some high end upsell behind it that actually pays for it. So you could afford to lose money on the front end and still make money overall. That is the biggest tip that I could give a junior marketer.
0: Very good. Appreciate you joining me. We'll catch up soon.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on your show. It's really a pleasure and an honor. And thanks for doing what you do. You bet. Uh, It's a rough (laughs) world out there. People trying to side hustle, you know?
0: That's what it's all about. Try to make lives a little bit easier. Focus on the 20% of stuff that matters.
1: Right on. Well, thank you very much. You
0: bet. We'll catch up soon. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Perry. Number one is to be number one. Where can you be number one? Is there a little sub niche of an industry you can stake a claim to? In my shoe business, for example, we were the number one comparison shopping site for footwear. Turns out for a long time, we were the only comparison shopping site for footwear. But being number one and being the only anything is uh, is a natural authority builder. People are going to assume you're the expert when you're exactly what They're looking for. Like if you want great pasta, are you going to go to the Cheesecake Factory? No, you're going to go to the neighborhood Italian place that does it best, not the restaurant with a 40-page menu that just happens to boil noodles too. Takeaway number two is to 80-20 your time. Think of the last 10 or 20 hours you spent working, spent on your business, and realistically, how much of that was 20% time? You know, the stuff that's generating 80% of your results. Could you eliminate the other stuff? Could you outsource it? This is essentially what Rosemary was talking about in episode 268. She was relentlessly focused on the activities that drove income. It's easy to stay busy. It's harder to stay effective. So that's takeaway number two. Takeaway number three is to have a high-end offer. If people want to spend more with you today, could they? That's one I've definitely been wrestling with because the answer for me is pretty much no. But we've definitely seen some creative and lucrative offers from recent Side Hustle Show guests. If people wanted to spend more with you today, could they? According to Perry, you might as well at least give people the option because mathematically, a certain percentage are going to take you up on it. What do you think? You got some room to apply the 80-20 tactical triangle to your biz? Let me know in the comments for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash Perry. While you're there, you'll be able to download the free PDF highlight reel with all of Perry's top tips from this conversation. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where I've asked a couple dozen of my most successful and productive friends for their favorite tools and maybe some non-conventional productivity hacks. It's going to be a ton of fun. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app, and it'll be automatically beamed to your device next Thursday morning. I'll see you then. Hustle on.
1: Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.